take your Bibles with me, if you will, please, to the book of Acts. We'll interrupt our regular, regular scheduled program in the book of Jude, and we'll go to the book of Acts together, if you will, Acts chapter 26, and I want to preach on a word that's only found once in your Bible, and it's in this chapter, Acts 26 is a, a very serious chapter in that the Apostle Paul is really answering before the authorities which have the power to take his life. And he is on trial, if you please, and he has been through these several chapters before. And when he gets a chance to speak, even if his life is on the line, he's going to speak about the most important thing in life and in his life. And that's what I want to speak to you about, is his speech here to King Agrippa as he is on trial. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 26, as we'll start reading together in verse number 1, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused of the Jews. Why? Should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? That's the word I'm interested in, the word incredible. As I look at this text and Paul is giving a defense before King Agrippa, I'm stricken with several things in the text as he begins to speak for himself. The first thing he begins to tell King Agrippa is how religious he was. Would you look at that again here in verse number 4? He said, My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. Everybody knew his life. I mean, from, from the time he was very young. He said in verse number 5, Which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify. Now, what's the phrase of your Bible? That after the most straightest sect of our religion, do you see that? I lived a Pharisee. He said, I lived the most straight 
religious life that anybody could ever live. But he's telling Agrippa it wasn't enough. Nobody could have lived a stricter, straighter, by-the-book life than the Apostle Paul. He was as religious a man as anyone could be. But he finds out that religion was not what he needed and religion that was not what was going to satisfy his heart. Religion was not enough for him. And I tell you this morning, it's not enough for you. I'm so glad you're in church. I'm not just trying to present religion as an enemy, though I think in some ways, in many ways, it is an enemy to the truth in many regards. But And I'm glad you're here in church, but... Here's what I would say to you. We're not here to be religious this morning. Religion has done nothing for me. You know, I got to looking at it. You know, this week, this week, they're celebrating Ramadan. The Muslims are. They're fasting and praying and they're, they're strict, they're straight, they're committed They're so committed that half of them, if they could, they'd kill you. That's pretty committed. I mean, that they are strict. And not only that, we're also in the Passover week for the Jews as well, this week. You've got, you've got Muslims that are, are strict observing their religion this week. You've got Jews that are observing their Passover and, and they're, uh, you know, doing their unleavened bread and their lamb and all of that. And they are strict about it and it's their way of life and they're going to stick to it if they don't even think about it all through the year. They're going to keep Passover. Now, Paul the Apostle was a, he was a much stricter Jew than that. He didn't just keep Passover. He was a day in, day out Jew. He wasn't just like, you know, there's some Muslim that are, you know, maybe they're closet Muslims or, and then there's some that are, they, every day is about Islam. This week also, I don't know if you know, but yesterday was Buddha Day. All the Buddhists have there. Their, their special day as well this week. I've got the name up there, but you don't care what it is, neither do I. But I think I could find somebody more attractive to worship than, than Buddha. But, but, but that's, that Buddha's day was yesterday. And then you've, got, then you've got, you may have heard of, then you have Easter, which is a very religious Day. It's a religious time for many. And, and I, I don't even believe in Easter. Now, I believe in the resurrection. But, you know, the word Easter is in the Bible. I'm not going to argue with that. I'm just saying there is a big to-do about religion in the whole world this week. And it doesn't matter if, if it's a Catholic going to Mass or, 
or people breaking out their bunnies and their chocolate and their bonnets and their it doesn't matter if somebody's fasting and going to Ramadan it doesn't matter if somebody is dancing around the menorah it's all about religion and the testimony of the apostle Paul when his life is on the line he looks at King Agrippa and he says I know you're religious and I used to be the strictest straightest religious person you've ever seen but I'm telling you Mr. Agrippa if anybody it could have been religious. It was me. I slept it. I drank it. I lived it. You could not be religious, more religious than I, but it was not enough. And if I'm not one Sunday a year, one holiday, one observance, it's not enough. Even if you did it every day. I've got news for us even here this morning. You said, preacher, we're in a Baptist church. Well, we are in a Baptist church and we have a Bible and we follow things by the Bible. But this is what I want to tell you. You can be the straightest Baptist in the world and go straight to hell. Religion is not the Savior. It's not the communion. It's not the baptistry. It's not the church attendance. It's not your goodness. You can live the straightest. That's what he said. I was the straightest sect. And I didn't know God. And I didn't know the truth. I'm so glad you're in church this morning. I'm glad you look nice. But I don't want you to leave here without God. And I am not so naive to think that everybody in this building this morning has Christ living in them. Paul said that religion is not enough. It's just not enough. And then he says something else in this text as he, he moves from religion. He says in verse number 6, And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Under which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. He says, Agrippa, religion is not enough. He says, what we really need, we need hope. And what we're after, what humanity is after, is hope. That, and, and you can't have, listen, you can't have hope without a promise. That's what he, you see the, the, the phrase here in the, in the text, verse 6, And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise. Unless you have a promise, you don't have any hope. You know, most human beings today have no hope. They don't have hope in their personal life. They don't have hope in their, 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 their married life. They don't have hope in their family. They don't have hope in society. They don't have hope. There's no hope in politics. There's no hope in the future of the world, and there's certainly not any hope in eternity, even if, whether or not they believe in that. And I'm just saying, what people need, they need some hope. But you can't have a hope without a promise. What do you hope to do? You hope to retire? Then what? You say, "Well, I'll go fishing every day." Then what? Like the guy working on my house, he says, "All I want in life." He said, I want to make enough money to buy my house and pay it off and sit on the porch and drink beer every night. And then what? What is the hope? What is the expectation? 
a, a big car, another job, a, another spouse, another thrill. What is the hope? Because after there's something after that. Because that will stop just like everything else stops. What's your hope? I, I, I'm not recommending him. I'm not putting him on a pedestal at all. But as far as the world goes, you, you know, you, you can look at some of these people that have excelled and been a success and they've made all the money and they've got all of the the uh, prestige and they've got, you know, the nice things and the nice, beautiful people surrounding them. And, and I'm, not, I'm not recommending it all, but I think it's very it's very uncanny that I, I heard, heard Mel Gibson, Hollywood actor, say this. And some guy was talking to him about, why are you so religious? He's a Roman Catholic. He probably lived a very wicked life. Probably get, I don't know anything about it. I'm not saying he's saved. But he was asked a question, and the, his, the answer was just bullseye. The guy said, why are you, why are you, why are you even think about things that you do in the Bible? And why, why is that even important to you? He says, there's got to be something more than this. There's got to be. He, he says, if this is it. This is his quote. He said, if this is it, I want out now. This is from a guy that's got more money than you'll ever have. That's had more women than you'll ever have. He says, if this is it, I want out. Because there's nothing to this. There is no hope here. Paul says, I'm standing before you because of my hope. And my hope is not a hope so. It's not, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm holding on to a possibility. No, it's a, it's a hope that is built in a promise. It's a promise that I have. There's got to be something more. There's got to be a hope beyond this. Guys, for all the talk of our belief as Christian people, because we know there's no Christianity without belief in a resurrection. For all the talk that Christians do about the resurrection, they sure don't live like there's another life. Most people that carry, that say they believe the Bible and are Christians, they're, they're living the same life that people that don't even believe in that live. They're living for the now. There is no hope in the now. Christ Jesus who is our hope. The Bible tells us over and over again that it's rooted in a promise, the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. And that life is in His Son. What's your hope? If it's in religion, you don't have any hope. You, 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 can't, you can't live as strict as he did. And, and his, he was bankrupt at the end of it. If your hope is in this life, then you're miserable. No wonder people commit suicide. Because they have no view past life. They can't see past life. I talked to someone about a year ago that was contemplating suicide. And they were... Rightly so, if you come to the conclusion and life is fatalistic and if we just all die and that's it, what's the point? And then I looked at him and I said, but what if you're wrong? 
After you close your eyes in death, what if you wake up somewhere? What if you stand somewhere before God? What about that? I think it shook the individual. Well, they're still alive today. I don't know where they are with God, but at least there was enough fear put that, that this is not it. There's got to be a hope, but there can't be a hope without a promise. What is the promise? You need hope. <laughs> we need hope. And if it's in America, my hope is in the Lord. Who gave himself for me. Well then if, if, that, if he is our hope. Then why is our hope in being beautiful. Or in our relationships. Or our wealth. All that's going to end in dirt. <clears throat> we need a hope. But we need it in a promise. He said in 1 Peter 1.21. Who by him did believe in God. That raised him from the dead. And gave him glory. Listen. That your faith and hope might be in God. You know what Peter said? Why God raised Jesus from the dead? One of the reasons was to give you and I hope. To give you and I something to believe in that's true and right, not our opinions. I don't trust my opinion. Look, all men are liars. I don't trust the promises of people. I don't use people give politicians a bad time. I don't trust anybody's promises. But when it comes to God's promise, I have hope in his promise because he cannot lie. God cannot lie. So the Apostle Paul, he's standing for Agrippa. He says, Hey, Agrippa, you don't need religion. There's no help in that. It's not enough. You need some hope and you're going to have to find a promise. And, and here's the promise. Would you look at verse number 8? And this promise that he's talking about of hope that is to come is hope beyond this life. And he says in verse number 8, our text, Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Now the word incredible in the old dictionary, this is the definition. Incredible means, and I think sort of it's changed in some people's minds that the definition of that word. Incredible means that which cannot be believed. Something that is incredible is too extraordinary and too improbable to admit belief in. In other words, it's just no way it can be true. It's too extraordinary. It's too improbable. It just cannot. It is incredible. Incredible means there's no credibility in it. There's no way to put your faith and trust and believe in it because it's just too incredible. When we use the word incredible, we're not saying something incredible because it's beautiful or it looks good or it's big. If we use it rightly, if we say something is incredible, we're saying, I just can't believe that. I just can't believe that. Now let me play devil's advocate. He says to Agrippa, why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Well, on its face, I would have to defend Agrippa's point of view. Because all I have seen is people go into the graveyard. I've never seen them come out. <laughs> never seen that. 
And not only that, when we talk about raising somebody from the dead, you know how we refer to it? We, we, we think about the casket, and we think about the body that's in the casket, or we think about the body of Jesus that was raised from the dead. But when the Bible talks about resurrection, it's so much more than raising a body. Because this is what happens. Those bodies turn to bones. And then in a hundred years, those bones turn to dust. And then in about a thousand years, (laughs) come here just with me in your mind just a minute. Think about how many people have died in thousands and thousands of years. You think anything's left of their bodies? When we're talking about God raising the dead, we're not talking about Him raising a corpse. We're not talking about Him just raising bones. We're we're talking about the resurrection of people's makeup that doesn't even exist in one place anymore. What about the people's bodies that were annihilated with atomic bombs? There's not even a graveyard. There's not even dust to be found. Are, Are you with me? What about all the people that died in the flood? What about somebody that drowns? What, what about people uh, that, that die in the ocean and then uh, the sea and the ocean consumes their body and the, and the fish consume the molecules of their bodies? Are, are, you, are you with me? What about the animals that have raged somewhere, you know, a, a bear, somebody, and chewed a... Where, where are they at? Carried around in a bunch of animals? Carried around in a bunch of fish? Do you see the problem with the resurrection? It's easy to look on one side and say, man, resurrection is incredible because God says this. God says that every human being that has ever lived will be resurrected from the dead. Well, where is Caesar? Where is Joe Smith that died 850 years ago that didn't even have a burial? And that's not even talking about all the people that have been cremated and taken their ashes and thrown in the river and parts of their body floating everywhere and some of them sending them up into space and dumping their... I say for God to get every human being that has ever lived to rise from the dead seems to be pretty incredible. But having said that, If you went back 200 years ago and told somebody that you would be making a video call to someone halfway around the world, 200 years ago they'd say, you're crazy. If you said, hey, we're going to take rocket ships and we're going to go up into outer space and we're going to go to the moon, and I know people still don't believe that. (laughs) That's incredible. No, you can't do that. See, our understanding of things that are incredible, that's so finite too. You can't trust that too because things that humanity has always thought is incredible and then all of a sudden those things happen. You go back 400 years and you tell somebody you'll be able to walk in a building and do this and lights come on. They would say, you're nuts. You go back 400 years and say, you can pick up a phone and dial it like this and you can talk to somebody anywhere. They They would say, you're crazy. 
If you told them, you know what, one day people, people are going to get into this metal tin can and they are going to fly. <laughs> Human beings, amen, 400 years ago would say, you have lost your ever-loving mind. You need to be put into a home. It's incredible. You can't believe that. Are you with me? There are all types of... i tell you one thing. Until when I had my first child, my wife actually had the child, but that's what we say. But when I saw that baby, I thought, that's incredible. And I counted the fingers and I can't... That's hard to believe. How in the world did that happen? But it's also incredible that the sun doesn't move any closer to this planet and burn us all up. And it doesn't move any farther away and freeze us all to death. It just stays there. And it's also incredible that no matter where you go on this planet, you get on a building and you drop a ball, it always goes down, it never goes up, and we can't explain that. It is incredible that the light that we're seeing that's coming from the stars is coming, they tell us, from so far in the past. There's so many things that are incredible. You know what you ought to stop and say? You ought to stop and say, you know what? As a human being, as a man, I'm so stupid, I don't even know what to believe. I can't figure it out. They told us that there are things that you can't even see that are real. You know, the microscope is not that old. If you had tried to explain viruses and bacteria to people centuries ago, they would say, you're nuts. And he just says, why do you think it's a thing in crap? I know it seems, I understand that resurrection, get all those bodies up. Get, okay, Agrippa, I get your point that it seems to be incredible, but, but this, there's one word in here, Agrippa. There's one word that takes care of all the incredibility. There's one word that clears everything up about your life and the future and the incredible things and the resurrection. Would you look at the verse again in verse number eight? He says, why, why should it be thought a thing incredible with you uh, that God, there's the word. That God should raise the dead. We're not talking about things you can't do or things that I can't do. We're talking about things that God can do. And what can God not do? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? With God all things are possible. For with God nothing shall be impossible. That's what the text says. Now, here's, here's the rub. Do you believe there's a God? That, there's where the rub is in our generation. Do you believe there's a God? Well, I just don't believe there's a God. Well, then blow your brains out because nothing matters. That's the end of that. Do you believe there's a God? Do you believe that life and society and the planets and the world is an accident? Do you believe that it just so happens that when you go to sleep that you don't stop breathing? Have y'all figured that out? That's pretty incredible to me. You say, well, the, you know, the, 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 the respiratory system. I get all that, but what makes that keep working? Well, you say your heart's pumping. Yeah, but what, what, what keeps that pumping? Well, the electropulses and the blood and the nutrients. I don't think so. 
I don't think it's, I don't think it's that easy. Because what I read in the Bible is that by Him all things consist. I don't think your heart would beat without God wanting it to beat. I don't think all the systems in our body would function unless He put them together that way and kept them going. He says, why do you think it's a thing incredible? Do you believe in God? Do you believe you're an accident? (laughs) Do you really believe that there was just a bang and we're all here? That's pretty incredible. Somebody needs to put their arm around the Darwinian and say, you know, that's pretty incredible. To say that the dark matter was just always there. What's the difference in that and saying that God was always there? You can't have something come from nothing. It's too incredible to think that. But when you know there's a God, and there is, Nothing is incredible with God. It's all easy. It's all simple. It's all no big deal. Because we're talking about God. That's almighty God. He has no limitation of knowledge. He has no limitation of power. When you talk about God, God can do anything He wants to do. You believe that? He's telling Grippa, I know you believe in God. You didn't believe in the Bible, but you're having a hard time with this resurrection. Why are you having a hard time with everything else? If you can believe in the, in the hardest premise in the world, which is to have faith in God and have faith that God's communicating us through the Bible, it is not an incredible thing if that God that we believe made the world out of nothing. God stepped out and there was nothing there. And he said, let there be light. God stepped out and said, let the earth be formed. The earth was formed. He said, let the animals come out of the earth. I love preaching on that. Animals popped out out of the earth. Guys, he didn't form the animals with his hands. He only did that with man. He said, let the earth bring forth a living creature. (laughs) You know what's crazy? People will watch all these, all these uh, superhero movies and play these video games and, and watch stuff, amen, on the internet and, and watch shows. There are people that believe those soap operas are real. <laughs> there are people that are sitting and watch, and some of them, some of them have you know, a little problem. Uh, but, you know, you go to a nursing home and they're watching TV. They think what's going on on the TV is really happening. Like, you know, people shooting each other and they think that's real. And yet God says, I told the animals to come out of the ground. They just popped out. I told the water to bring forth fish and they just pop out. So do you think he's going to have a problem with so-and-so that got ate by guppies? I mean, he strews his ashes all over the place. You, you think God said, I wonder how we're going to do this one. He made all the atoms. He keeps them all together. He can do anything He wants to do. He hangs out all the stars. He meets out the heaven with a span. He spoke and it was done. We're talking about Almighty God. 
Why would that be incredible? You know what we have attack on today? We have attack on the Bible because we have attack on the miracles of the Bible. Oh, that can't be true. We have attack on the resurrection. People just don't believe in anything that's supernatural. Well, let me tell you something. Look around you. Everything you see is supernatural. This is not an accident. So let me ask you a question. Why do you live like there's not a God? Why do you live like there's not a God watching you? Why do you live like there's not a God that you're going to stand before one day? You see how religion pales in comparison to that? And what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell Agrippa is, Agrippa, you need hope. And though you think it's an incredible thing that Jesus rose from the dead, you shouldn't think that because you do believe in God. And if there is a God, He can do whatever He wants to do. And what really made the difference in my life, Agrippa, this is what he says. He says in verse number 14 of this text, And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me. Agrippa, I used to be just like you, but I met somebody. <laughs> I met somebody. I was traveling the road of my life, and I met somebody. And they interrupted me. They, they stood in the way for me and they interrupted my thoughts and my opinions in my life. He says, he said, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, verse 14, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. He said, I met Jesus one day, Agrippa. I sure would like to introduce you to him. You know, let me tell you, Agrippa, Jesus will do a whole lot more for you than Judaism. (laughs) Jesus will do a whole lot more for you than religion. Jesus will give you a hope, and Jesus will give you a promise, and Jesus will give you a reason to live. I'm convinced there are a lot of religious people that have never met Jesus Christ. I'm glad to meet you today, but have you met Jesus? Has He spoken to your heart? Have you responded to Him from your life? I'm Jesus. He says, verse 16, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Verse 18, look at it. To open their eyes. That's what God's wanting to do for us. He's not trying to make us religious. He's trying to open our eyes. To open our eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. God wants to turn you around. Religion won't turn you around, but Jesus can turn you around. Turn from darkness to light. Watch it. And from the power of Satan unto God. You've never seen the power of Satan in your lifetime. As it's being poured out upon the world. Satan's controlling people's thoughts. He's controlling their lifestyle. He's controlling their habits. He's controlling our country. He's controlling nations. He's controlling decisions in court. He is in control. You know what I think Paul's saying? Agrippa. I think you know he's in control of you too. But you can let somebody else be in control of you. And the Lord Jesus Christ can turn you from the power of Satan unto God's power. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. 
he's, he's digging in Agrippa's heart. Come on, Agrippa, you know you're a sinner. You, you really think coming in and sitting in on that pew on that Sunday take away that sin? Do you really think that? You're going to leave just like you walked in. Agrippa, God knows what you've done. He's not just what you've done. He knows what you're thinking. He knows everything about you. But the good news with Jesus Christ, you can have forgiveness of sins. He can cleanse you and wash you. You can't wash yourself. Your husband, your wife can't wash you from your sin. A priest can't do it, or church can't do it, or religion can't do it. But Jesus, Agrippa, I want you to meet Jesus. I want to introduce you to Him. Because if you got introduced to Jesus, it would not be incredible anymore. I've seen Him. I've met Him. I've known Him. I've talked to Him. He's talked to me. And He's brought life into my life. i got a different life. I have real life. As we heard in Sunday school, from a life of, from just death, I've got life. I got a real life. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. Do you have a life? You ever heard that phrase? Man, you need to get a life. You ever heard that? You've heard anybody in their despondency said, "Man, I don't, I don't even have a life." How many people live there? It doesn't matter how straight a sect you get involved in. It doesn't matter what you wrap your life up in. I'm telling you what, you will have no life unless you meet Jesus. And Paul said, "I've met him." You know what I want to tell you this morning? I wasn't there that day when he met him. But I met him one day. And he still talks to me. You say, you're crazy. Well, you're pretty crazy too. I like my crazy better. He talks to me. Matter of fact, we even sung a song this morning that he lives inside of us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He moved on the inside. He talks to me. It would probably be better for you to let the other guy that's inside of you move out and let him move in. Have you met Jesus? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about meeting a person. I'm talking about opening up your heart. I'm not a religious person. I just told you that. Man, I don't even believe in Santa Claus. (laughs) I I don't believe in a whole lot of things. But I believe in Jesus. You know why? I met him. And he turned me. And he opened my eyes. And he gave me a life. And he gave me hope. Do you have it this morning? I'm so glad you're here. But would you get in touch with Jesus? Would you listen to him today? Would you open your heart to him today? Agrippa said, almost, Paul. You've almost persuaded me. Boy, I tell you what, that's... Resurrection, God. I'm going to stand for him. My own sin, the power of Satan. I'm thinking about it. I don't know what he did. 
I don't know where his bones or his ashes are. But you're sitting in here this church service this morning. I want to know if you've met him. Because one day you'll stand before him. And he loves you. He can save you. He can change your life. He can change your life. He can save your soul. He can forgive you of your sins. And it's not a thing incredible. Because from him is life. He is life. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? I appreciate your attention this morning, but would you do me the honor of responding to a question that I would ask you today? I want to know, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for your soul's salvation? Have you opened up your heart to Him and trusted Him alone? Or are you just trying to get where you're going through religion or just trying to fill your life up with enough things to try to just delay the inevitable that you're going to face one day? Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to meet God? What will it be when you get resurrected and you stand before God? What will it be? If you don't meet Jesus Christ, it will only be a resurrection of damnation. It doesn't have to be that way. He loves you. He gave himself for you. You said, Preacher, I'm in church this morning, but I need Jesus this morning. I need to be saved. If that's you and you're interested in that, would you just slip your hand up so I'll know where you are to pray for you? Anybody like that here this morning? I want to give you an invitation, an opportunity. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I am so glad you're here today. But I want you to meet Jesus. He will change your life. He'll forgive you of your sins. And he'll give you an eternity. Anybody like that this morning? And I wonder, dear Christian friend, what is your hope really? Is it the Lord? Or are you living for life which will end?